Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. My name is Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. Uh, this is episode number 86. Uh, it's also Monday, uh, August 31st, uh, 2020, the trade deadline. Um, but yeah, episode number 26, uh, Jack, um, for number uh, number 86, uh, we're going with the players that debuted or were rookies in 1986. Jack, my... Number my 1986 guy is Luis Quinones. <laughs> Luis Quinones, uh, Jeremy. Uh, you know, once again, I'm going to echo Donald Sutherland from the Dirty Dozen. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um, Luis Quinones was a totally like um, utility like ball player um, in like the late 80s um, and early 90s. Uh, he was on the 1990 Reds team, so he has a ring, so good for him. Um, but he was on the Cubs at, at one point um, for 49 games in 1987. Uh, but the reason why I picked him, Jack, he actually hit 12 homers in 1989, uh, which is like like you know mind mind blowing, basically. Yeah. Uh, he's al- he also did not appear <laughs> between 1980, like from 84 to 85 in the majors. So he appeared from 83 to 86. Uh, was like there was a gap there, which is odd. But um, but anyway, the reason why I, I like he stood out to me in the list of uh, players who debuted in '86 was um, uh, I remember my friend uh, Nick growing up uh, went to like a Cubs game and got a, got an autographed baseball. And you know, as a kid, like the the idea of getting an autograph at a game is just mind blowing. And it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that you got. You know, it's either catching a foul ball or getting an autograph. And he got an autograph like on a baseball. And, you know, I was jealous as, as hell as a little kid. And then I saw the autograph and it was from Luis Quinones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was like my first lesson in like, like, you know, maybe like um, that jealousy isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> because like, <laughs> I was like instantaneously jealous that he got this autograph. And then I'm like, ah, but you know, uh, I wouldn't really be that excited if I'm being honest with myself about getting Luis Quinones's autograph. Um, so, so yeah, so that, so that, that was like, that was kind of like a lesson of like, kind of just like, you know, Hey, don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. I will say just as a quick, um, uh, follow up to that. Um, I had, oh man. And now I'm going to forget who it is now. Um, I want to say, Oh Jesus. I think it was, uh, Dave, I'm getting Dave Hansen and Dave Anderson confused. Um, mm-hmm. I almost want to say it was Dave. I think it was Dave Anderson. Um, so, so years later, no, maybe not years later, but a couple years later, I ended up getting an, an autographed baseball um, from of Dave Anderson. Let's say I'm pretty okay. sure it was Dave Anderson. Who is okay. again? Who the hell is he? I don't like. It's not worth knowing. Right. Um, but I remember going to like a base. I, I actually went to see my friend Nick's baseball game. Uh, a little league game and I, I went to it and I brought this ball because I was so excited about it and then like the kids on the team saw it and were like Dave Anderson and they're like you were better off not getting the ball signed oh <laughs> man that's a that's a pretty and, s- sick burn for uh you know li- for kids you know yeah and it was kids that I didn't even know I it's like I went to this like 
I went to like his his uh, game and I think he was like in the dugout and I walked over to him like hey man I got this autographed ball and he's like oh yeah who and I showed it and like some other kid was like dude that's not even worth getting the ball signed for or whatever oh man yeah I guess you're probably right man so anyway I mean I, I feel Jeremy even now like maybe even more so than it used to be but like autographs are completely out of the question at games these days you know like player autographs yeah. I mean, especially now that they have the protective netting in front of the, uh, you know, in front of the field. I don't know if like during batting practice they pull it back. I don't. I don't think they do. But um, yeah, I think there's like a little like little like slit in the net where they can like do that. But it, that's such a that's such a big ask. It's like not only does the player have to sign, not only do you have to get your way down there, but he has to like decide it's worth his time to like you know try to maneuver it, uh, you know, in between this opening or whatever. It's just it seems like an even easier reason to like not do it for players yeah and i mean jeremy at this point like are we too old to to like yell at a guy and have him come over and give us an autograph i mean at worst it's at worst it's kind of you know creepy but at at best he'll think we're like collectors who are looking to sell the ball yeah for sure no i mean you know we obviously went through that uh that uh moral quandary at the beloit snappers game but uh you know i'd like to think maybe we were doing that for uh you know, for, for the podcast as the, you know, hashtag for the pod. But, um, but, uh, you know, I also will say that my highlight of going to games last year was going to South Bend Cubs games and getting autographs. So uh, <laughs> listen, I think it's like, I, I, in my life I've decided like, there's just going to be things that I have shame about and I'm just going to just grin and bear it because like at the end of the day, it's like, I'd rather do the thing I like and feel shame about it than not do it and be like bummed out about it. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of the trade-off I've made in my life with a lot of things that I'm a fan of. Well, Jeremy, I'm not I'm not sure how much shame you actually feel when you get those autographs. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say, uh, so 1986 was my birth year. Um, yes. So a lot of uh, a lot of good guys. Did debut that year. You had Bobby Bonilla. Uh, I don't know why he was the first one I named, but yeah, him, uh, Mark McGuire, uh, Barry, yeah, Barry Bonds, um, both Maddox brothers, Greg and uh, Mike, Barry Larkin. Uh, so yeah, you had a lot of pretty sweet guys in there, but uh, I chose Wally Joyner. Do you remember Wally Joyner? Oh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was... Um, so I, uh, I played first base one season um, in, uh, in Little League, and so I always kind of liked, uh, I always liked first baseman, and uh, you know, Wally Joyner was a, a first baseman. He was a lefty, uh, so, uh, so I always thought that was kind of cool. Um, and he was a good hitter, too. He had, he had career 289. I mostly remember him being with the Royals, but he actually only played about four, four years there. Uh, he also played most of the late 90s with the Padres, and he spent one random year with the Braves, uh, and he started his career with the Angels. He had a kind of a strange career because his first two years in the, in the league, he had 22 and 34 homers, and he had 100 and 117 RBIs in those first two years. And then he never drove in 100 runs after that, and he uh, only had one other year where he hit over 20 home runs. He had 21 in 1991. So, like, he got off to a really good start, like, power-wise, and then he, he was kind of just never, never really a power-hitting first baseman after that. Um, so he was kind of an anomaly. He was, he was more your Mark Grace-type first baseman. Who hit for uh, who hit for average and like uh, and doubles uh, as opposed to home runs, and he was left-handed, so he was almost like you know the Mark Grace of the American League in the in the late '80s and early '90s. Um, so yeah, kudos to him for being kind of a unique player, and he uh, he played for a long time too. He played 15 seasons in the big leagues. Yeah, 
Yeah, no. And, well, so that is that's one of those weird things, though, Jack, is that like, you know, we talked last episode about like that, that odd, like five year gap between our uh, between our ages. And like, I mean, yeah, to me, it's like Wally Joyner is a total angel. Like um, and uh, I, I had I actually like remember a couple years ago, I like, you know, he was at a Padres game. and I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. He was actually on some other teams. But to me, Wally Joyner is such a such an angel. Um but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm almost getting like kind of vibes of like uh, um, Eric Hosmer or something though, because like it seems like a guy who like started off big and is kind of like kind of faded out like over time, like a long fade out. I was trying to see if he has any. There's no similar. He's not. He, uh, 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 Hosmer does not show up on his similarity scores, which so. is which is odd yeah. because I mean he. Now that you mentioned that, Jeremy, that's a really good comp. For uh, yeah. for him, um, like yeah, he's a first baseman who doesn't hit for a lot of power. Um, you know, hits for a pretty decent average, uh, and he happens to be left-handed too. Um, so yeah, yeah. You, you might say that uh, you know Mark Grace and Wally Joyner seemed like they were the last of the dying breed, but you know, there's always one or two guys in the league like that. Um, for sure. So by the way, was he is is he is Wally Joyner the last guy in the world to be named Wally? <laughs> by the way, uh, Wally Serbiak. You remember Wally oh, Serbiak, yeah, sure. Jeremy? Wally, yeah, Wally's yeah. World. The uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, famous uh, story about Wally Serbiak is that um, <laughs> so he was a really good player at Miami of Ohio. Um, uh, he was like you know the best player in the country. He turned into, and I think he was a first round draft pick. Played a long time in the NBA, um, mm-hmm. but uh, Wally Serbiak uh, was probably could have gone to Marquette. Um, so the guy named Mike Mike Dean. Uh, yeah, as you all know, I'm a Marquette uh, basketball fan. Uh, a guy named guy named Mike Dean um, was coaching Marquette at the time, and uh, he had played he had played basketball uh, at some point in his playing career with Wally Serbiak's dad. And uh, uh, Wally Serbiak's dad, when Wally Serbiak was still in high school, his dad called up Mike Dean, who was coaching Marquette, and he's like, "Hey, like I've got a kid, um, you know, who's a good basketball player, and uh, you know, he'd love to come to Marquette if you'd have him." And Mike Dean was like, "No, I don't think he's he's not good enough." And then so he, he only went on to become the best player in the country. Um, and I, I, think, I think Mike Dean uh, got fired by the, time, uh, by the time he had actually become that uh, good of a player. But uh, so, yeah. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, Jeremy, Wally Joyner is the, uh, the second to last guy uh, to be named Wally in the world. Um, I was going to say second to last. Jack, uh, number one, um, I wonder if, like, Wally Zerbiak's dad did something to that. To, what's his name? Mike, Mike Dean. Mike Dean? Yeah, I wonder if he did something to him in college, like stole his girlfriend or something, and like maybe he didn't realize it, but Mike Dean did remember. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't think we're going to be taking uh, Wally, little Wally. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, right. No, it's it's definitely possible, Jeremy. Um, I mean, there are, there are many stories of Mike Dean, um, you know, going to uh, campus bars at Marquette and just getting wasted uh, with students uh, after the game. Uh, allegedly, one time he... Uh, he bit a uh, a woman in the derriere. Um, so yeah, Mike Dean. Oh. Uh, you know, he liked to uh, he liked to party. So uh, interesting. Um, well, there you go. There, there you go, <laughs> Mike, Mike Dean, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, maybe if we do another college basketball episode uh, when people can go to uh, basketball games again, uh, Mike Dean will come up again. But um, <laughs> nice. uh, Jeremy, there was also a player who wore the number eighty six for yeah. the. Uh, was it for the White Sox? The Cardinals, well, so, the Cardinals. So, yeah, so Jack, I wanted to just 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 as a bit of a throwback here. Um, 
you know, we we've abandoned the uh, uniform number talk for the uh, episode numbers. Uh, but just to revisit that real quickly for number 86, um, Jack, I was watching a Cardinals-Cubs game a couple weeks ago, and I, I had this note for last episode, but decided to save it for episode number 86, and I'm actually glad that we did because there's been some recent updates. Um, there was a pitcher named Jesus Cruz uh, who came into a game against the Cubs on uh, August 18th uh, with the Cardinals, and he pitched uh, one inning, and uh, I found this incredibly hard to believe, but... They said that he's the first player ever in the history of MLB to wear the number 86. And uh, so I looked it up, and it's true. He's, uh, yeah, the first guy of all, you know, of however many hundreds of years or, you know, like years that, that baseball has been going on. Um, no one's ever worn the number 86 uh, except for uh, Jesus Cruz. Uh, he's the first guy ever to wear 86. However, until uh, five days later... <laughs> I guess on August 23rd when um, Brandon Lee Brandt, um, I don't know if he's any relation to Charlie Lee Brandt, um, but Brandon Lee Brandt debuted for the Philadelphia, no, for the uh, Miami Marlins. Um, and he's gotten into four games. So he actually now has pitched more games. Jesus Cruz only appeared in that one game, I guess. Uh, but Brandon Liebrandt then went on like f- four, five days later to become the, the second guy to wear number 86. So now there's two guys in the history of baseball who've worn the number 86, and they've both played. They both debuted this year. That, yeah, so. that's crazy, Jeremy. That's like uh, in 1998 when Deep Impact and Armageddon were both released within months of each other. You know, you get Hollywood. Hollywood's around for seven seven decades, and you know there's never been a movie about an asteroid. And uh, you know, there's there's two within a span of three months. You know, so uh, it's like that. That's like the same phenomenon. Um, interesting. You there know. You go. Uh, uh, yeah, that's like when you hear a word for the first time, and then all of a sudden you hear it. You know, you, you're hearing it everywhere. Um, Jeremy, uh, so uh, Scooter Jeanette is in is in the news again. Um, he's in the. Uh, well, I shouldn't. Did he, say- did he take another shower and and, and cut himself on a soap dish? Uh, no, it, it, it's even worse, Jeremy. Um, and I don't even know if I should say he was in the news. He was in the uh, he was in the Sarasota uh, Herald Tribune. Um, so I'm not sure if that quite counts as the news, Jeremy. But I mean, I think he's from that area. So anyway, he gave a he gave a nice um, you know a nice little interview for the Sarasota Herald Tribune, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mine some of the nuggets for that. Uh, he's um, Scooter Scooter Janet, uh Jeremy is uh, sitting out, and uh, for you listeners, I made uh, the uh, you know the quotation marks with my hands. He's uh, he is sitting out mm-hmm. the 2020 season. Um, you know, apparently he was offered a you know a non roster invite to a couple teams, but wasn't given a major league deal. So he's chosen to he's chosen to not play this year, um, but he gave uh, a great uh, great interview. And here here are some to some things from it, Jeremy. Uh, uh, one paragraph states: In just a few years, the game Janet feels bears little resemblance to the one he grew up playing and watching. In thirty words or fewer, he believes today's younger players are selfish, can't be given advice by veteran players, and thus haven't been handed down to them the sport's unwritten rules. The guys, they won't even listen, he said. They're just babies. They're very immature, and you can't get them to do anything. And so he goes on to uh, basically support the uh, Rangers in the whole Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, 3-0 swing debacle that happened a couple years ago. And then, uh, I think one of my favorite quotes, Jeremy, is he says, These younger players don't understand the game as well as when I played. It's the softness and just how the game is now. 
A player hits a solo homer with his team down 4 nothing, and it looks like a celebration for a walk-off home run. A celebration like you won the game. Now, he's saying, uh, he's saying the younger players don't understand the game as well as when I played. Like, dude, you played last year. You debuted in 2014. <laughs> what do you mean they don't understand it like when you played? It's not like you played in the 80s, dude. You, you were playing, you know, you debuted a yeah. couple years ago. What are you talking about? Um, and so then it says they tell so Bryce Harper debuted. Yeah. Bryce Harper debuted before Scooter Jeanette did, which like who who was kind of is like kind of like the poster boy for the young punk of baseball. So great, yeah. great insight, Scooter. And then and then he says uh, players coming up are coddled from a young age, never told what to do, and aren't ready. He says the first time a six foot four, two hundred fifty pound Dominican comes up to you and says. You're going to carry my crap the whole year. And he, so he was referring to Carlos Gomez. Um, and then he, you know, he, uh, he goes on to advocate for the hazing that goes on for rookies. It says, one year, Janet dressed up as a baby, complete with diaper. He came out of the Brewer's locker room wearing the outfit, climbed onto the team plane, headed for New York, then was dropped off two miles from the team hotel. I never thought it was malicious, he said. Uh, I think that's pretty malicious, man. I just, I just don't think... Scooter Jennett's teammates liked him. They made him dress up like a baby in a diaper and walk two miles through New York yeah. to a hotel, which is pretty great. Um, yeah. And finally, he says, uh, to, to end the article, he says, uh, it says, he hasn't closed the door totally on a return to baseball. And then he's quoted as saying, don't know if they want one of the best hitting second basemen on the planet. And then that was the end of the article. So oh, I man. I think uh, I think Scooter Jennett maybe in his isolation uh, has has grown a little bit crazy, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean, uh, yeah, delusional uh, would be the word that that comes to mind. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that. I mean, there was there were talks that the Cubs were trying to trade for Scooter Jeanette, I think at mm-hmm. some point was that at the deadline or was that in the off season? Maybe there was, there was talk about him. Uh, well, he was traded he was last in... year to the giants. So it may, may have been at the deadline last year that, you know, the reds or... were shopping him. Yeah, no, you know what? I think it was in spring training because I think like, um, they ended up signing Jason Kipnis and I was like, Oh okay. man, am I, you know, I much rather have Jason Kipnis than scooter Jeanette. But, um, I mean, obviously he sounds insane. I think, you know, as with, I think what, I think the sad thing, and we, I can pinpoint on hazing specifically, uh, which is like the, the perpetuating the, the fucking bullshitness of hazing, uh, whether it's high school or in, on a sports team or a frat or sorority or whatever. It's like the whole thing about hazing is just, it's just fucking bitter assholes who are mad that they got hazed trying to now take it out on someone else which like the whole time they were letting themselves get hazed i'm sure in their mind they're just like oh oh man this sucks but just wait i'll be able to do it to someone else and it's like that's what keeps perpetuating this fucking bullshit hazing thing and like so yeah so i can see why he's in in uh you know into hazing because he he got fucking humiliated and and made to look like a complete idiot and so it's like the only way to save some sort of dignity is to try to make someone else have to go through that uh, unnecessarily. I will, I'll also say that for a guy named Scooter, um, he better be a throwback guy because otherwise <laughs> he has no place in the year 2020 with the name Scooter. So maybe he's maybe he's you know he's he's adjusting to you know who he is and uh, just kind of 
trying to play out that role, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, as the as the old veteran uh, smoking a stogie and, and calling everybody kid. Jeremy, wasn't um, wasn't uh, there a character from the Muppets named Scooter? Yeah, Scooter and Skeeter. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got. I haven't, I haven't watched the Muppets in a minute, but yeah. So that's what that's what Scooter Janet uh, has been up to, um, uh, and you know, it, uh, he actually got a couple promising seasons uh, with the Reds. Yeah. who were involved in a, a bench-clearing brawl with the... Well, not brawl. They were involved in some benches-clearing uh, words with the Cubs uh, this week. Um, yeah. I didn't get to... I wasn't watching the game live, but yeah. uh, what did you think about it, Jeremy? I mean, it, it was pretty absurd. I think, like, uh, yeah, that TJ Antone or whatever his name is, yeah. uh, like, yeah. threw over Rizzo's head after Rizzo had hit, like, two homers in the opening uh, in the opening game of the uh, doubleheader. And so, like, I think maybe his first at-bat in the second in the nightcap, uh, he threw, like, directly over his head. And, I mean, it was pretty blatant. And, like, you know, Rizzo was mad. He didn't, like, he didn't really start shit. Like, he kind of just, like, reacted. And then he turned around, and I think he yelled at him, like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Or, like, you know, like, what do you, you know, what the, what's wrong with you or something like right. And rightfully so like with, with that sort of action that happened, like that's kind of a natural reaction. Um, and so then like, so then the next inning, um, uh, who is batting? I forget who is batting. Um, Oh, sh- uh, the new guy, uh, Akiyama was batting for the reds. And I think Edward Elzelai was uh pitching and he threw it like high up, but, directly over the plate and so then joey Votto gets up joey Votto, who i normally love like stands up on the dugout and he's like he's like that's the same thing it's the same thing and then like he like looks at rizzo and he starts saying like it's the same thing and i'm like what why are you mad at rizzo like rizzo got is the one whose head got thrown at like and i know i'm in a position <laughs> to be a homer here but like why did he look at rizzo it's not like rizzo made the umpire because i think they gave warnings or something maybe and it's like why like it's not like so Rizzo is the 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 jerk for getting his head thrown at like like Rizzo wasn't the one who made them like you know uh uh warn the benches and everything like it it made no sense and so then like you know the jawing continued and like the benches cleared and I gotta say Jim Deshays was really calling this one out but I'll I'll just I'll jump on I'll I'll jump on his back and like like second his uh his notion that like it's really friggin' hilarious and I saw that David Bell and Jesse Winker got um, got suspended for a game, I think, for maybe kind of, like, being told to not go on the field, but then doing it anyway. So, like, uh, whoever the, the umpire was in that game, like, threw out Joey Votto, um, and then, like, the player, like, the, so the, so he's standing in front of, like, the, the Reds' dugout, and, like, David Bell and Jesse Winker are both, like, kind of trying to go on the field, and he's, like, telling them not to go, and then they, like, take, like, a step forward, and he just, like, he throws he throws out Vado and then the thing with Bell and Winker happens and then they take a step towards him and he goes you're out of here and you're out of here and uh-huh. like he just like rapidly fired he rapid fired through throughout three uh, Vado uh, manager David Bell and Jesse Winker in a row it was it was <laughs> really really funny um, it like reminded me of like you know Naked Gun or something uh, very funny stuff um, as far as the actual like incident goes it, it was just kind of ridiculous. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure nothing will end up coming from it, but uh, it was just it was just kind of silly. Um, uh, I feel like TJ Antone is the opposite of J Hap. Does that make any <laughs> sense to you? You I, know, because yeah, 
Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's the opposite of J Hap or if he's the same thing, because because uh, J Hap, it's it's actually spelled J A in yeah. the initials, but T J Antone spells his name. It's like he spells T J out, like T E J A Y. So uh, yeah, um, uh, very. Uh, that that was my first thought upon upon reading that story. Um, Interesting. Uh, I I will say, Jeremy. Um, that uh, I feel like there have been, I don't know if there's been more, like, uh, incidents of, you know, players arguing and, and managers, uh, you know, coming out on the field and getting thrown out, or if it's just, like, been exacerbated because, like, there's no, uh, there's no fans in the stands. But, like, you know, I, I think it was last week we had Joe Madden and Don Mattingly getting thrown out, and there, was a great, there were great clips of both of those guys. And, you know, now this week there was the drama with the, uh, you know, with the Reds and Cubs. So I, I don't know if I don't know if all of that is just magnified because you know because it's a shortened season, but uh, you know I, I think it's it's interesting, but it's also it's also good for entertainment purposes. Yeah, there's been some great sound bites for sure, um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't know I, that 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 one was kind of silly, and uh, I don't really know. Um, I'm uh, you know I was annoyed that the <laughs> I was more annoyed that the. Uh, Cubs decided they didn't need to win the night game of that doubleheader and put in Craig Kimbrell with a one-run lead. Um, but uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. They they blew him out the next day, so I guess all is well that ends well. But um, but yeah, so I don't know. Well, Jeremy, the Cubs did get Jose Martinez, so <laughs> that you know who knows maybe that'll uh, maybe that'll give them the extra boost they needed. I always kind of liked Jose Martinez when he was with the Cardinals. Yeah, he's um he's a he's a goofy guy, man. I mean, um you know, uh it, it turned out that the Cubs aren't you know, the Derek Dietrich Cubs uh era was not never meant to be um but uh I you know, so maybe Jose Martinez will be that like resident goof uh for the team, but uh he's just a weird gawky like awkward looking guy and um luckily he's coming to the, the National League, although at this point now I guess he's probably going to be the DH. Um I, uh, it's funny they said, like, you know, he could spell Jason Hayward in the outfield, and it's like, oh, God, Oof. what a, like, he's a, he's a butcher, like, in the, in the field, uh, Jose Martinez, so, like, yes, to, he is. To, to take out one of the best fielding outfielders for, uh, you know, Jose Martinez would, would be pretty bad, um, but, uh, but, yeah, so, uh, they, 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 they got Jose Martinez, uh, for, like, players to be named there's a lot of a lot of these trades jack that happened today so like yeah the the trade deadline and uh was earlier uh this afternoon uh a lot of a lot of deals were made and a lot of play a lot of players to be named later were were kind of uh uh in the mix this time around i think it's just because there's no games being played and teams don't like you know i haven't seen prospects play and everything i don't know well yeah well i think there's a couple reasons for that um first i I know that teams are only allowed to deal from their 60-man rosters that they that they've designated so like they can't they can't trade anybody who's not on like their 60-man roster so that's uh, so like basically what they have to do then is do have like a player to be named later and then what you know if they do that then they can pick anybody or you know they can use anybody from the other team's farm system but like if they did it now would have to be somebody on that 60-man roster. So I think that was that was one of the reasons for it. Another reason for it that I thought was kind of weird is, like, to your point, the teams aren't able to scout other players right now. Yeah. Um, I guess there's, like, some sort of service, maybe, like, an online service or something where they tape the team's practices or whatever, and the teams can, like, sign up for this. They can opt into it. 
but like I guess only I guess only like two thirds of the uh, of the of the teams have actually opted into this like scouting service to like be able to scout the guys who are like on the other teams' practice squads. You know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows, man, maybe, maybe one, maybe, maybe it's like sharing an HBO Go account, you know, like, uh, (laughs) you know, David Stearns is, uh, you know, calling up Jed Hoyer and being like, hey, man, can I like, uh, you know, can I use your account for this? Um, John Mosaliak calls, um, uh, you know, uh, Rick Hahn and he's like, hey, man, hey, Rick, what the hell? You changed the password? (laughs) <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think that explains why you've seen more um more player to be named later than you would normally uh normally do um uh the biggest trade though was uh was was the mike clevenger trade obviously i think mm-hmm. um you know i guess in my opinion anyway that was the one that stood out to me the most um and you know jeremy like i i think it just begs the question like do the indians trade mike clevenger if uh, you know, if if he doesn't if he doesn't do the thing with the COVID stuff, like do I, I mean the guy's a, an ace or at the very least a number two, yeah. Um, so it just it doesn't seem to especially for the for the players they got for him. I wasn't you know uh, I wasn't super impressed with the with the haul. Um, I mean, uh, who did they get? Uh, they got Austin Hedges, uh, Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, um, mm-hmm. maybe one or two other guys. Um, but uh, for for a guy like Mike Clevenger, uh, I don't know, man. Um, Austin Hedges, I was reading uh, one one poster on Reddit said that Austin Hedges is quote ass, absolute ass. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I think he's a good defensive catcher. Maybe he doesn't do much with the bat, uh, he, and he certainly wasn't the centerpiece of the trade. But uh, and but Clevenger is a guy. He's relatively young, and he's twenty nine. He's got three years of club control. Uh, and like the Indians are in contention. I mean, I think they're in yeah. first place right now. So to so you know, even though I you know maybe his teammates on on the Indians hate him, like uh, the guy's a really good pitcher. So like I don't I just I don't understand trading him. Uh, but and, and I take him on the Brewers. But uh, but yeah, uh, he's on the he's a Padre now. Yeah, I mean uh, you know I I guess they really double downed on uh, on on the uh, the message. Um, you yeah. Know. I you know it's too bad that they sent him to the Padres who you know whose arrow is definitely pointing up and maybe even this year um you know it's they really should have sent him to like the Marlins or something that would have been a really awesome <laughs> message to send him um but yeah no I mean yeah no way do they trade him I mean like the guy you know you say he's a number two he definitely yeah I, I would definitely say he's a number two and I'm not talking about the spot in the rotation um but uh but yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy's a turd. Like so, like you know, I you know that that's that's I commend I commend them for sticking by that that sentiment. I mean, when I saw that they called him back up, I was like, ah, darn it! Like you know, like of course you know they just backslid on the uh, on the message, which is fine. But I think they they pretty much kind of did it just to be like, hey, here you go, teams. Like uh, this guy, remember he's good. So um, you know trade for him now um but 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 yeah i i mean it's kind of funny i was actually like looking at um the trades that they had made uh before um the clevenger trade and like you know they had they acquired like two catchers they 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 got austin nola from the mariners and jason castro from the angels and i'm like geez like who's the catcher in uh san diego like they must really hate him and i forgot that it was uh, austin hedges and like yeah so now he's gone um God, that's got to be so 
painful like to be a major leaguer traded away from like a team on the verge of exploding <laughs> it's just like right that's brutal um especially a guy who's been with the team for a couple years now um but uh but yeah so i i mean yeah i don't know i guess uh we'll see we'll see what happens with that um but uh yeah you know there i didn't even know about the whole clevenger um robert flores from mlb network thing that happened um, i hadn't heard about that yeah something happened it was in the off season maybe or the, i even forgot what it was now but uh he got into a twitter beef with um robert flores um from mlb network uh let me see if i can pull it up really quick and give the uh the long and short of it um Oh, cause they, okay. So he should, this is from 2018 also. This is like a long time ago. And like, um, yeah, I don't even remember what it was. Uh, it was something about a video, um, where the, the, they were like, the Indians were talking crap about the Astros and then the Astros beat him or something. And he sent, he shared like a video and Clevenger like tweeted, like, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> complete utter unknowledgeable i hope you go around praising the hell out of uh who you compete with and you work for at mlb and you still want to try and drag me you're soft as pudding and have no real takes (laughs) (laughs) i mean i didn't realize mike clevenger was such a monosyllabic idiot but um uh he really is and he calls himself mr sunshine i just don't get it like or sunshine mike sunshine clevenger i i I can't believe he's such a a dope and i didn't know it but like um because i did kind of like like him uh but uh anyway i think like you know maybe maybe the indians didn't like him and that's certainly something that probably cleveland like locals could could expound more on but uh um i don't know i i think i'm sure the indians are like they don't they don't mind getting rid of him even though you know he he is good and um, and they did not get a huge haul for him so I don't know but uh, I commend them for doubling down on their stance I, I guess um, Zach Plesac they didn't even think enough to trade him he's just they're just like burying him in the minors so <laughs> right kind of funny um, well Jeremy and, and you gotta you gotta think the uh, the Indians uh, who are all the pitchers they let they've let go of in the past couple of years it was Clevenger Bauer and uh, Kluber mm-hmm. they they yeah. they sent them all packing and yet they're you know the rotation. Uh, is still pretty good. Um, yeah. So it seems like they're pretty good at uh, developing pitchers, so I guess maybe they're not too worried about losing him. Sure, um, I would say the, the emergence of Aaron Savali and uh, and even Tristan McKenzie, who we talked about last week, uh, probably helped them uh, decide to, to make that, you know, the move. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So um, other, other uh, around in the league, uh, other trades that happened. Um, so, yeah, like the – I feel like the, the Padres traded away, like – you know, half their minor league roster, uh, most of it to the uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, one yeah. of the guys who got traded in that was uh, Taylor Trammell, uh, who's a prospect who's who's still yet to debut, and now he's on his third team. He came up with the uh, the Cincinnati Reds, and um, I actually almost want to say was was he even traded to the Reds? I can't remember, but um, he he did really well in like a futures game uh, a couple years ago, and then he got traded to the Padres, and I thought, okay, he's going to be part of this Padres youth movement, and now. I guess now he's going to be part of the Mariners youth movement. Uh, I hope, hopefully they call him up this year. I don't see why they, they shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I guess in the future now he'll just be with, uh, Jared Kalanick and, uh, Julio, uh, Rodriguez. So, um, so yeah, I guess he's just part of a new youth movement, but, uh, I kind of feel bad for the guy. He's, he's been like a top prospect. He seems like a pretty funny guy, uh, pretty like 
like lighthearted guy, and he's already on his like third team as a prospect. But is he related to Alan Trammell? But that was no. They are uh, of different uh, uh, <laughs> ethnological backgrounds. I guess. I don't know the political. Okay, people, okay. I, I guess I've never, I've never really. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Taylor Trammell, Jeremy. Yeah. Um. Uh. But. Uh, but yeah. So, um, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so he's, yeah, so he's uh, he's. I'm pretty excited about him getting to the majors. Um, yeah, who else? What other uh, trades stood out to you, Jack? Um, well, Jeremy, I, I was going to say the uh, uh, one of your previous comments um, leads me into a segue uh, to the trade. One of the trades I was going to talk about, which is uh, the the Rockies just acquired Kevin Pillar from the uh, Red Sox, um, uh, and I guess it's it's really no surprise, Jeremy. Uh, that the uh, the Red Sox traded Kevin Pillar because he made some pretty boneheaded uh, comments earlier this week uh, involving all of the different social issues that are uh, going on right now. Uh, in a word, Kevin Pillar basically said that all lives matter um, at a press conference. Okay. Uh, they were asking him, uh, you know, because J- Jackie Bradley Jr. is the lone uh, the lone black player on the Red Sox, and so they. Um, after uh, after all of the things that happened in uh, Kenosha um, uh, last week or earlier this week, uh, you know, the, a bunch of MLB teams decided to uh, sit out uh, their games in protest. Uh, and uh, the Red Sox were one of those teams. And uh, they asked Kevin Pillar, they're like, you know, what was it like for you guys to make that decision? And he was like, well, frankly, it was a, it was a tough decision for a lot of guys. Um, and uh, And then he went on to say that, he doesn't feel like we should be uh, trying to lift up any particular, uh, you know, types of people right now. We should be trying to lift up all types of people, and it just didn't go over super well. And uh, so the next day, he uh, he he issued an apology. Uh, you know, probably at the you know uh, request of the team, but he he videotaped an apology. Uh, so it was it was fast. It was a fast apology on his part. But yeah, he he totally screwed up. So uh, yeah, they uh, they they sent his they sent him packing uh, to the Rockies. Uh, it's it's interesting, Jeremy. When I before the episode, when I when I uh, before we started taping today, I asked you, did you hear the stupid thing Kevin Pillar said? And you had to you had to say, you mean recently? So this isn't yeah. Kevin Pillar's first uh, first incident where he's he said something dumb. No, no, he called um <clears throat> now I don't remember if it's Jason Mott or Kevin Gossman, but he called him uh he called him an FAG uh for like throwing a pitch inside or something a couple years ago and like he had to apologize for that too. Uh, yeah. People re- recall that uh nice lovely story. Um so I'm glad that wow, you know, it's it's really interesting uh that like a guy could could screw up like that um and still you know, not have the wherewithal to just shut your mouth and not say something stupid. Um, but I'm glad, again, uh, I'm glad he's a consistent, I guess. Uh, yeah, right, right. You know? um, yeah, it's it's too bad Nick Castellanos didn't hit a home run during uh, the apology he taped. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been pretty good. You know, uh, that, there's like, you know, like how like, you know, like the jordan meme or like the like jim ross meme of like oh my god he's broken in half you know like they should do like every time there's like a i shouldn't even be saying this on the podcast because (laughs) someone's gonna steal it from all of our listeners but um they should that should be a new thing where like whenever there's an apology 
you should it, like the video should cut away to the Nick Castellanos home run <laughs> and then like right you right know, and then like Nick Castellanos with a home run to put the Reds up ahead four to five or whatever like you know, <laughs> whatever, uh, Brenneman said in that um but yeah that that would be a funny meme uh very inside baseball meme um but yeah so um that's interesting I, I I'm glad that I didn't hear about that because it shows that Kevin Pilar isn't even worth making headlines uh, <laughs> even talking about him so he could he could probably like you know call for the re uh the reanimation of Hitler and uh people wouldn't bat an eye because who the fuck is Kevin Pilar so so there you go <laughs> Um, Starling Marte is a Marlin now, so that was an interesting, a uh, uh, little bit interesting. Starling Marte, like, he was always just such a pirate. I mean, he, he, he always was a pirate for his whole yeah. career. Uh, now, all of a sudden, he's, he's just become this baseball vagabond. Um, he yeah. was on the Diamondbacks and the Marlins, and, I mean, he feels like the type of guy now who's just going to be on, like, five more teams before his career is done. Very similar to a guy uh, who got traded to the Cubs, Cameron Mabin, uh, one yeah. of uh, Randall A. Theater's favorite sons, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that's that's surprising. I mean, yeah, Marte, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, got busted for steroids a couple years ago, and I think like the the star has kind of his star has kind of like you know fizzled out a little bit. Although he, I think, was he was he doing okay in in Arizona this year? Did he have okay numbers? Or you know, no? I didn't even really really look at his numbers mm-hmm. in Arizona. I um, thought I, I thought I had checked in with him at some point, and he was like doing okay. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to think now. So he's a Marlin, right? So like, well, Starlin the Marlin for sure. But like, I almost want to go like Startin Marlin or <laughs> Starte Starte Marlin. <laughs> <laughs> I should call Kevin Goggin about that. He's, he'll appreciate that one. Past, past guest. Oh yeah, with the wordplay. Um, is is Starlin Castro still on the Marlins? No, he's um a national. Although he's on the DL. I right, think. No, right, but, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's getting getting it's getting hard to keep track of all these guys, especially in this season. Um, yeah. I will I will say, Jeremy, uh, that now like when I look at Baseball Reference and I look at a guy's uh, numbers from this year, it's like they don't mean anything to me. I see a guy's played twenty one games. And I'm like, you know, um, I, guess, I guess like most teams who played all their games have in the mid-30s now. But, uh, you know, I see a guy's played like 21. I'm like, so has he played like every game or is it uh, like, is that like every game that his team has played because he's had so many games canceled? So it's like, it's hard, it's hard to get a feel for how guys are doing or what their numbers are because like, you know, I then have to like look at the team's record and I don't know, it's, it's confusing. Yeah. No, for sure. It was going to be hard enough <clears throat> just kind of like putting it into perspective with with 60 games played but yeah like if you look at someone like on the on the uh the st louis cardinals um this year it's like i who knows how many games they're gonna end up playing like 53 or something so like that even that's gonna like kind of skew the numbers i did see something that like starling Marte could end up playing 63 games this year or something uh oh wow because I guess he already played X amount with the Diamondbacks, and if he makes more up with the Marlins, he'll end up with, like, 63. Um, uh-huh. So that kind of gives us shades into um, <clears throat> those couple guys. Phil was Phil Bradley and Greg Walker, were they, who, like, appeared in 163 games? I was just going to say, but, like, but yet the team, uh, like, their, did their team play 163 games, or was it, like... I don't know because I, <laughs> I I remember looking to see if those guys were traded mid season and they weren't so I they I don't weren't know. yeah yeah I, I still I, don't know still don't know on that one but I um, I feel like one time I can, I saw in Baseball Reference a guy who played 164 games so okay. I'm not sh- I'm not sure if that's uh, 
you know, if if that was accurate or whatever, I'll have to I'll have to look into that again. Yeah, I don't um, see how it's possible. <laughs> but anyway, no. without without a trade scenario, but what but whatever, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. There were a lot of trades today, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Mike Mike Miner was traded um, to the A's from the Rangers. Uh, I was going. I was going move. to sit. It, it is. It is a minor move, uh, and I, I was. I was going to say, like, I wonder if he's going to like try to, uh, you know, if if the A's w- would be willing to throw a game for him so he can try to get like his, you know, his one hundredth <laughs> strikeout of the season or or whatever whatever that benchmark would be yeah, for, a, exactly. for a sixty game season. Um, but yeah, so Mike Miner is is uh, an A now. Uh, yeah, uh, Todd Frazier is back with the Mets, which seems like like there must have been some sort of agreement it's like yeah just you know go make sure you acquire me back you know uh, <laughs> at the at the next next deadline or something uh, the blue jays got like three pitchers which was weird they got uh ross stripling robbie ray and taiwan walker i think it's yeah like they're like trying to assemble like a you know a rotation of like you know number threes uh threes to fives or whatever um yeah, um uh and and the Brewers uh they uh they traded David Phelps who actually was doing okay with the with the Brewers this year. He had a 2.77 ERA in like 13 innings. Um yeah, I guess they just decided that uh that they don't need him for the rest of the way. Um I think they got three minor <laughs> leaguers in return. This this uh this trade kind of reminds me of when they traded Adam Lind. I think it was Adam Lynn to the Mariners for like uh, for those three like nineteen year old <clears throat> prospects, one of whom turned out to be Freddie Peralta. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. so hopefully uh, you know hopefully this trade turns into something like that. Not that I was not that I'm like super broken up about David Phelps being traded. Sure, I like I, I like to think how that conversation went. It's like, uh, hey David, uh, you know, bad news, uh, we're trading you to the uh, Phillies. Sorry. And then David Phelps was like, yeah, aren't, aren't we trying to win a World Series here? Uh, and then they're like, yep, yep, yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, got to trade you. Sorry. And then he's like, but uh, the Phillies, aren't they trying to trade a World Series, win a World Series? And aren't they competing against you? So possibly trading <laughs> me to the Phillies could, you know, hurt you in the playoffs. And like, yep, yeah, we know that. But um, we're still trading you. <laughs> so uh, I feel like it's like a double or triple diss to, to David Phelps. But um so be it, I guess. I mean, that's a good point, Jeremy. Like the the, the Brewers and Phillies, uh, they're in the same league, um, so you know that that trade could back come back to bite them. I doubt it. Uh, but but the biggest the biggest trade for the Brewers uh, would be the trade that they didn't make. A lot of teams, there was a lot of speculation that they were going to trade Josh Hader away, um, and I would have been okay with that. Uh, they said that the asking price for Josh Hader was uh, bananas. Uh, so, and, uh, and, you know, at, at rightfully so we, we both, we both said rightfully so on this podcast, Jeremy, uh, <laughs> David, David Ross, uh, would be proud. Um, but yeah, th- there was a rumor for a little while that, uh, Josh Hader was going to be traded to the White Sox for possibly Michael Kopech and Andrew Vaughn. And, uh, I would still, I would still be down with that trade happening like in the off season, but, uh, and I think it, you know, it very well could. Hater's got three years of club control left after this, so uh, I would be, I would be okay with them trading him, uh, uh, you know, selling high on him. Yeah, I mean that would be a nice haul for sure. Um, you know, uh, 
Michael Kopech's uh, off the field issues notwithstanding. But um, yeah, Kopech was one of the guys rumored to be in. Like for a brief second there, there was a rumor that Clevenger was and the and like the Indians and the Sox were talking about trading Clevenger to the White Sox. Like that that was absurd. I don't even know why that was ever a story, but. It was, yeah, Kopech was rumored to be in that deal as well. Um, <clears throat> so I don't really know. But, um, yeah, I mean, if I was the Brewers, uh, I would probably definitely want to make that trade. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't really know. Uh, that's interesting. But um, One more thing, yeah. Jeremy. Um, and one more thing, as, as, as Columbo uh, would say. Trevor, uh, Trevor Rosenthal um, was also yes. acquired by the San Diego Padres from the uh, Royals. Like, you know, how did Trevor Rosenthal become a, a piece that a team wants to get? Like, that guy was done, man. He was he was yeah. out of baseball. He somehow had a good year this year and, uh, you know, kind of brought it back, I guess. But uh, that one, that one kind of astounds me as well. Um, so yeah, there were uh, you know a lot of trades, um, not 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 too uh, not too many blockbusters other than the Clevenger one. But it was uh, yeah, it was a strange deadline uh, to be sure. So we'll uh, yeah we'll have to see if any of those end up having an impact. Um, sort of the uh, I guess I guess the 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 topic of this episode, which were uh, if you could call it that. Um, <laughs> uh, so Gerard Dyson. Um, uh, was traded to the White Sox from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and I, I didn't really know a lot about Gerard Dyson's background, so I, I was just kind of looking him up on Baseball Reference, and I was shocked to see that he was a 50th-round draft pick of the Royals and I think, 2006, um, mm-hmm. back when the draft still had 50 rounds. And he was not one of those guys who was drafted in the 50th round and then, uh, you know, and then re- redrafted higher. He was just drafted in the 50th round, and he, he made his way all the way to the major leagues. I mean, if that isn't a long shot, uh, I don't know what is. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to delve into other players who were drafted in really low, in lower rounds um, and see if we could find anybody who, uh, who made the majors from there, anybody, anybody interesting. Um, uh, so I think I did rounds 28 through 30 um, uh, from the years 2015 to 2005. And the reason I chose those is because the draft, the draft stopped having 50 rounds after a while. Did it not, Jeremy? Yeah, no. It, um, yeah, it was, it was, this was a, a bit of an albatross to, to research. I will say real quick, Jack, um, you know, don't feel bad that you didn't know too much about Gerard Dyson's uh, background because I didn't even know Gerard Dyson got traded until today. <laughs> it happened over the weekend, I think, right? Yes, it did, yeah. Yeah, I, miss, I missed that one, I guess. Uh, I don't know how, but, um, uh, but yeah, so, um, so that, was, uh, that, was an, that was news for me. I was like, oh, he got traded also? And then I'm like, oh, it happened three days ago. But, um, but yeah, so like, yeah, the, you know, there, at some point it kind of became like a 40-round draft and like, you know, uh, it was just hard to keep track of this year. This year, what was it? Six rounds? Yeah, five, yeah. Well, rounds? It was five or six rounds. Yeah. So there were a lot yeah. of lot of guys probably who would have been drafted who who did not get drafted. Yeah, just crazy. It's crazy that you can go from like a forty round draft to a five round draft, but. Um, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, and I, you know, and so we did try to we we basically tried to to uh, scrape like the bottom of the the draft rounds, whether that was like rounds 45 to 50 or rounds tw- you know 35 to 40 or 25 to whatever um so i was i was actually jack looking through like 
uh, the thirties, okay. thirties picks, like, sure. like in the mid thirties basically. So, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, what, what, what do you got, Jack? Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy, the first one I was going to do, um, this is kind of a surprise to me was, uh, not, not the guy, but, but other circumstances surrounding it. But, uh, in 2013, the Blue Jays drafted Rowdy Telez in the 30th round. Um, I mean, now that, that in itself is not that surprising. But they gave him an $850,000 signing bonus as a 30th round draft pick. Uh, that's crazy. God. I mean, that is, uh, I, I guess to say the least, that's way over slot of like what those players were getting paid, <laughs> which is probably like, you know, maybe ten, like $10,000 for a 30th round pick or, you know, maybe, yeah. more, maybe a little more than that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, signing a 30th round draft pick for 850000 uh, they must have really been trying to convince him not to go to college because he was drafted out of high school. Yeah. So that's very that's very weird. Yeah, very weird and and very uh, very rare. So that was uh, that was in 2013 that they drafted Rowdy Telez, um, and you know he's ended up making the major league. So I guess uh, I guess their investment paid off. Um, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jeremy? What do you got? I mean, Jack, I really have like nobody. I mean, maybe I should have, maybe I should have like expanded uh, to earlier rounds, but like every, every, like I would, I would come across like a general bum name, like a Brett Oberholzer yeah. or like, I'm trying to think of some other bums that I saw. Uh, I mean, at first I got excited cause I saw Tim Lincecum uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I looked at his thing and you know, he was a first round draft pick. Um, so uh I mean, James Marvel, Marvel. I don't even know how to say it. From the from the Pirates yeah, was the Pirates. a thirty, yeah, thirty sixth round draft pick in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob Wagaspack is like a, was a thirty seventh round draft pick in twenty seventeen. Yeah, uh, and you know none of these guys got redrafted. Um, Jack, the best guy I got on my list, uh, 30 seventh uh, round draft pick, Patrick Mahomes. Oh wow! Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Patrick so, um, Mahomes, the quarterback for the for the Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That Patrick Mahomes. Wow. Uh, yeah. I guess. Uh, what? Yeah. What? What other one can do it be except for his dad? I believe. Who, his who dad, else? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I knew it couldn't have been him if it was 2017. Wow, Jeremy. Okay. And and so yeah. it was 2017. So was this the same year he was drafted uh, in the NFL? Um, I think he was a he was what he was a. He was a backup for one year, right? Yeah, 20, 2014. Uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess 2014. Oh, okay. Uh, so he was drafted in tw- by in baseball in 2014. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, 30, okay. 37th round pick. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, Jeremy, I think that he made a good decision uh, sticking with football. Yeah, I guess so. The anti-Jeff uh, uh, Samarja. <laughs> yeah, what did they give him? About a $500 million contract, Patrick Mahomes? $400 million, something like that. Um, yeah. He got paid paid pretty well. So, uh, yeah, that's actually... Well, that that's actually interesting, Jeremy. And that actually, well, that would have been a cool idea is to, like, you know, athletes who were drafted, you know, from other sports, whatever. You know what I'm saying, right? Yes. Um, yeah, uh, but you know we might have also re- come to realize that uh, maybe there aren't that many of those guys as well. Although I will say that I think Todd Helton played college football, and uh, uh, he, he played. He was like Peyton Manning's backup at the University of Tennessee. Right. Um, just off the top of my head. Anyway, um, yeah, there, I I kind of had the same thing, Jeremy. Where like I I would see guys on the list that I was looking at, and I was like. 
I mean, I know who that guy is, but I don't have anything to say about him. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Um, there was, I will say, I believe former uh, Hitters Academy alum Jacob Junis, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was in Hitters Academy. I think oh, I saw okay. his. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I saw his name in uh, um, in a southern uh, Wisconsin there where we saw southern Wisconsin where we yeah. saw the uh, the indoor um, you know youth baseball game. Uh, I believe that Jacob Junis uh, was a uh, was one of the people who was on like the big uh, the big poster with like all of the all of the you know major league guys who played on the uh, the hitters. Right. Um, so yeah, Jacob Junis. He was drafted in 2011 by the Royals and uh, in the 29th round, and he was given a $675,000 signing bonus. Um, for some reason, the signing bonuses uh, stuff. Kind of, uh, kind of jumped out at me. I mean, again, six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars for a twenty-ninth round pick. Uh, the Royals must have really wanted to sign him. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Jake, uh, Jake Diekman was drafted in uh, by the Phillies in two thousand seven in the thirtieth round. Um, I guess only notable because Jake Diekman has carved out like a pretty long career for himself yep. as a as a reliever. Um, and finally. Uh, uh, I, well, there are a couple more, Jeremy, but uh, uh, Hector Santiago was drafted okay. in the 30th round by the White Sox in 2006. Uh, uh, Vagabond, uh, bum, Hector Santiago, who we may have, we may have seen pitch. I'm pretty um, sure we did, yeah. Yeah, we may have seen him pitch last year. I know we saw him start a game for the Angels uh, against the White Sox. There were a couple more. Roberto Perez was drafted in the 29th round in uh, 2006 by the Dodgers. He did not sign, and he was actually later redrafted in the 33rd round, I think, by the Indians. So he was not drafted high. He gambled on himself, and he got drafted even lower. <laughs> but uh, he's a pretty good catcher now. Keon Broxton, Jeremy, also a 29th round pick by the Phillies. He was also redrafted later in the third round. But, Jeremy, you got you got to check out Keon Broxton's headshot uh, on Baseball Reference rough. when you get time. Because it looks like they took his mug shot and airbrushed a brewer's hat on it. Like he does, <laughs> he does not look like a happy camper. In, oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, he he does not look happy. You know, the brewers have cut him so many times. Like yeah. maybe maybe like that picture was taken right after they like they cut him the last time, and then <laughs> Baseball Reference was like, oh hey, by the way, we need to get your uh, you know we need to get your headshot. So they oh, just man. they sat him down and took that. But that is a that's a that's a pretty sorry looking headshot for Keon Broxson there. Yeah, um, no, that's that's pretty brutal. Ouch. <laughs> um, in the twenty eighth round, uh, I don't know. Zach Roscup was drafted by the Rays oh. in two thousand nine. Uh, I I do feel Jeremy. There was another guy in the twenty eighth round. So this is the last. Uh, this is the last guy I'm going to talk about here. But uh, a guy named. Have you heard of Kyle Garlic? Yep. Yeah, Kyle Garlic. I feel like he would have been a good one for like the nicknames episode. You know, you could have yeah. called him like the. Van Helsing or like the vampire hunter or something. Yeah. I'm just like I'm just using garlic as like a you know, for vampire puns, but I mean I'm sure there's other places you could go with that. Bad breath, halitosis, <laughs> you know, something uh-huh. like that. Stink uh-huh. stink <laughs> ass breath. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, S A B stank ass breath. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Jeremy, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of your thing to work to to use the word ass in like yeah. your abbreviations. You got fake ass hero, stank ass breath. Uh, <laughs> it's I like, like it. It just makes everything sound better. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that yeah, I mean, uh, so I guess we couldn't really recapture that magic of uh, 
of uh, Gerard Dyson there with the with the premise. I mean, you know, the like the go to example of like the low round draft pick who became a superstar. I I would say is probably Mike Piazza, right? Yep. Yep. You know, sixty yeah, uh, second yeah, yeah. round draft pick in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, somehow goes on to you know start club in like forty you know plus homers in a year as a catcher. Uh, couldn't imagine what could have you know contributed to that. Um, but uh, he's also Tommy Lasorda's cousin or some crap or whatever. So yeah, like he's his godson or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? something weird. Um, but uh, but yeah. So um, so anyway, yeah. I guess we you know I mean it's hard and like I think like best case scenario like a lot of those guys who get drafted in those late rounds are usually like relief pitchers and so it's like yep yep yeah yeah that, like, that yeah that was what I was noticing too, is that most of them were, uh, most of the guys who it was were relievers, um, which made it a little bit more difficult, uh, as well. And yeah, like you said, Jeremy, a lot of the guys, uh, get redrafted. Buster Posey was drafted in the 50th round in, in some draft as a right-handed pitcher, which, uh, which I thought was pretty odd. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So our rule was that the guy could not be redrafted. Uh, and it turns out Jeremy, that there's just not a lot of guys who, uh, who make it, from those later rounds, it's a long shot. Yeah, um, very true. But but since uh, since it was the trade deadline, Jeremy, maybe yeah. we can end this episode on a on a happy note um, by talking about some of our all time favorite trades. Uh, do you have one or one or more that you like, Jeremy? Yeah, and you know it was it's obviously there's going to be a lot of homerism here and a lot of home team trades. I mean, yeah, uh, you know I think. Uh, I think the obvious ones are like the ones from 2003, right? For the the Cubs uh, when they like, you know, made those final pushes uh, to 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 put together that team. I mean, the all-time best trade I think in the history of the Cubs is uh, Kenny Lofton and Aramis Ramirez to the Pirates uh, for Jose Hernandez and a player to be named later, um, ill-failed. I think they're coming to get him right now with the alarm here, or with the siren. Yeah. But uh, Bobby uh, Hill, Bobby Hill, uh, uh, former second base prospect for the uh, Cubs. Um, right, yeah. right. So, uh, so, so the Cubs traded those guys to the Pirates, and, the, and in turn, the Pirates traded the Cubs, uh, Ramos Ramirez and Jose Hernandez. Uh, and no, and Kenny Lofton. Jose Hernandez actually went away from the Cubs. Oh, like, Jose. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I had that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they got Kenny Lofton and Ramos Ramirez. The whole uh, thing with the whole thing with Jose Hernandez was like it was his second stint with the Cubs, and he obviously was like the guy who like you know was threatening to break the strikeout record for a season, and like mm-hmm. you know it's like this guy sucks. Like what are we gonna do? Like we're we're stuck with this guy, and somehow they were able to turn him into he was, you know, kind of like the centerpiece of that trade. I mean, I don't know. I guess Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill ended up was a player to be named later, and he ended up you know I guess maybe also becoming a co-headliner of that trade, but they turned him into Aramis Ramirez. And not only that, but they got Kenny Lofton in the deal too, which helped who helped them out a big time in 2003. So it was just a all timer trade, you know, like for the Cubs uh, and uh, bad for the uh, pirates. Yeah, no, that, that is a good trade. Um, yeah. I, Jeremy, uh, Jose Hernandez did make one all-star team in 2002 with the Brewers. Yeah. He was a brewer too. Um, yeah. And his, his big thing was striking out though. Yeah. Uh, he struck out 185 and 188 times uh, with the Brewers in 2001 and 2002. Um, and yeah, that I think that year 2003 that you're referring to, Jeremy, he, uh, he struck out 177 times that season. So yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I, I, like, what 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 right does a guy like that have to be striking out that much? 
Um, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that is one heck of a trade. And, and yeah, Aramis Ramirez uh, turned into a beast for the, the Cubs. For years, so, uh, years, yeah. For years, yeah. So I, I don't know what the, uh, what the Pirates were thinking um, when they did that one. Um, Jeremy, if I, if I had to name a trade that I really liked, and we can, we can talk about a couple here. But, uh, you know, I'd probably, I'm sure I've probably brought this up on the podcast before. But it was definitely the best trade in the history of the Brewers. Uh, it was uh, the C.C. Sabathia trade that they got him uh, midseason from the Cleveland Indians in 2008. Uh, and that was a terrific trade, Jeremy. And they actually did it a couple weeks early, too, before the deadline, so that they could get a few more starts out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he, he had a, a just an, an outstanding uh, season with the Brewers that year. He was... Uh, yeah, so they got him on July 7th, so they, it looks like they got him a little bit before the All-Star break, so I think they wanted to get him that one start before the All-Star break. His stats were ridiculous that season. He had a 165 ERA and 130 innings. Um, he was just a stud. He, had, he, had, uh, he, he pitched seven complete games that year. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see here. Did that, uh, uh, I'm looking at his, his totals. Holy shit, man. I never saw this. I never realized this. So he started 17 games with the Brewers last year, or that year in 2008. Yeah. He completed. Yeah, he was he was 11 and two. But he, Jeremy, he pitched seven complete games with the Brewers yeah. in 17 games. Seven. He had 10 complete games in total for that season. But seven of those complete games for the Brewers, he had three shutouts. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, they just they just rode this guy for all he was worth. Um, yeah. And he, he pitched it. He did an outstanding job for them. And, uh, you know, it was his contract year, so he was just pitching out of his mind. And, I mean, he then got a, a ridiculous contract from the Yankees. I think it was like eight years and, and $160, 170000000 million or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was amazing for the Brewers, and he, uh, he, pitched them, he pitched them into the playoffs that year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh yeah, they that was like that was even as a I mean as a Cubs fan who was uh, a fan of the team who was kind of competing with the Brewers that year, uh, they ended up both making the playoffs. I think right. Yeah, um, uh, the Brewers got the wild card, and the Cubs I think won the division that year. Yeah, um, and then neither one did anything in the playoffs. I think but, no, um, no. But uh, but yeah, like it was actually kind of crazy to to see. Uh, you know, there was there was a little less tension with the Brewers because. This was like the, one of the first years that the Brewers were good in a while, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, so, so it was kind of cool to see, and it was just cool to see him dominating so much. Um, and uh, it might have been the last time the, the Brewers had a good starting pitcher, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the Brewers, just, they never have that, like, starter who's just, like, completely dominant. I mean, like, Brandon Woodruff, like, has the stuff that looks, he looks like he might be the guy – Adrian Hauser like has really good stuff, but like the Brewers just never have like uh, good good starting pitchers. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of infuriating. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it. I don't know how it can possibly happen, but it's just uh, it just doesn't seem like the. It's just not one of those things that's ever worked out for them. It's like the Bears with like quarterbacks. Like they just won't. You know, they just can't get like they won't they won't shell out for a good one, and they can't they can't uh, they just can't get stuck with a good one, I guess. But um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so that, uh, that, that was, uh, I, I have to imagine that was a pretty big one for the, for Brewers fans. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, 
you know, you got the Grudzelana Karos uh, also happened in 2003 for the Cubs for, uh, for Todd Hundley, which was like crazy that uh, they were able to get uh, rid of Todd Hundley and turn him into any sort of useful pieces because uh, he was <laughs> so bad for the Cubs. Uh, I remember when they got uh, Nomar um, in 2004, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was like a big that that actually probably was like. That probably was the biggest deal trade for me, like as a Cubs fan. Just like I'm, I can't believe that they got him. Um, we've talked about uh, the Fred McGriff trade before. I, I was really excited about that, uh, and he had to go. Uh, you know, he had to think about it for a month, uh, which should make me hate him. But uh, you know, I still like Fred McGriff. Sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, so all those. Um, here's one trade, Jack, that stood out to me uh, for the Cubs. Um, the Rich Harden trade. Do you remember the Rich Harden trade, Jack? Not so well. All right, so the Cubs got from the uh, Oakland A's. They got Rich Harden and Chad Gaudin, um, who both who did you know uh, Chad Gaudin actually did like kind of like a sneaky good job for the Cubs after they acquired him. He was kind of like a swing man out of the out of the bullpen, but he he ended up starting a bunch of games I think. Uh, but they traded him for Sean Gallagher, who seemed like was going to be like a promising pitcher. Uh, Eric Patterson, not not Corey Patterson, but Eric Patterson, his brother. Uh, mm-hmm. who was just as bad. Um, mm. uh, Matt Merton, uh, Japanese, you know, hitting star Matt Merton. Right. Um, and Josh Donaldson. Wow. And yeah. Josh, Josh Donaldson, huh? Yeah, Donaldson was a second-round pick, I believe. Uh, as was he a catcher, a catcher at that time? Yeah, drafted as a catcher. Did not seem like he was, you know, really going to become anything major, and then he became who he is. Uh, again, I'm not sure if he had any help with that, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he, um, yeah, that one is like, you know, that's where the Cubs lost Josh Donaldson in that trade. Um, Rich Harden came over and was like, you know, he, he, Rich Harden was weird, man. Like he would, he would go five innings, strike out 10 and walk five and throw like 90 pitches in five innings and then come out of the game. Uh, he had a very interesting, like run with the Cubs, I would say. And, and a lot of injuries too. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, he, he had, seems like one of those guys who, uh, you know, from what you're describing, Jeremy, because I, I never, I guess I never watched a lot of him while he was playing, but, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's some guys who seem like they can never get out of the fifth inning, uh, without throwing a hundred pitches. Yeah. It seems like, uh, seems like Rich Harden was, was one of those guys. Um, I have, uh, uh, yeah, two, two trades that I, I'm going to talk about here. Uh, uh, the one, one would be, uh, the Jeremy Burnitz for, uh, Kevin Seitzer trade that the Brewers made in 1996. Um, I don't think people thought that much of it at the time, but, uh, Jeremy Burnitz ended up being a good player for the Brewers for a couple of years. Um, I always, I always really liked him when he was with the, when he was with the crew. He seems like he'd be kind of a bonehead, but, uh, yeah. but like, I, I still, uh, I still liked him. Uh, he was a good, a good power hitter for the Brewers at a time when I was like, just kind of coming into you know, knowing a little bit more about baseball. So, uh, so that was cool. And also this was a very small trade, but, uh, the Curtis Granderson trade that the Brewers made in, in 2018, uh, they traded some minor leaguer to God, who was it? The, uh, who the hell was Curtis Granderson even on it on that year before the Brewers? I don't, I don't know. I would have to look it up. It wasn't the, uh, Blue Jays, was it? Yeah, I think it was the Blue Jays. So they got him from the Blue Jays. Uh, and you know he he spent two months with the Brewers. I think he hit maybe like three home runs. Uh, I'm actually looking right now. Yeah, he had uh, he had two home runs with the Brewers. But uh, but yeah, you know you're gonna look at, you're gonna look back at Curtis Granderson's career. You're gonna look at his numbers and you're gonna say you know he was on the Brewers. 
You know, if you tried to do a if you tried to do a baseball resume for that guy, that like the Brewers the Brewers would definitely be the team that you that you didn't get. So uh, I just I think it's kind of cool that like a guy like Curtis Granderson, who was a really good player, um, you know, throughout his whole career, that like he he played you know two months with the Brewers randomly. I think I saw him on the Blue Jays that year. Um, in oh, really? A rare, in a rare White Sox game that I didn't attend with you, Jack. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was the game that you said John Axford started, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Jaime Garcia and Ryan Tep- Tepera both appeared in that game. I think got their clocks cleaned, but um, and then uh, Jaime Garcia got traded to the Cubs shortly thereafter. I think, but um, and uh, Tepera is on the Cubs now. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's kind of a funny one. Um, we definitely need to do that. Like. You know, he was on that. He was on what team? <laughs> you know, right, as, right. As a, we've been talking about. That's another one we've been talking about for for years. Um, the last one that I'll uh, leave you with, uh, Jack, is um, you know, I talk about Mark Langston a lot. My favorite uh, player of all time for some odd reason. I think just kind of uh. lefty and because he had long hair. Um, but Mark Langston, uh, you know, the the way that uh, Randy Johnson got to the Mariners is because of Mark Langston. So. Um, in uh, 1989, I want—I actually didn't even look it up, but um, um, I, I want to say it was 1989. Uh, Mark Langston got traded uh, from the Mariners to the uh, Expos for uh, a bunch of players, but one of which was Randy Johnson. Uh, May 25th, 1989, um, he got traded uh, for Gene Harris, Brian Holman, and uh, Randy Johnson. So, uh huh. There you go. So that's how uh, Randy Johnson ended up becoming like, you know, a, a long, uh, you know, time guy with the uh, Mariners. And uh, Mark Langston ended up uh, signing as a free. He was a rental for the Montreal Expos uh, in 1989 and ended up signing with the California Angels. Um, but uh, that's how uh, that's how the Expos lost Randy Johnson. Yeah. And, you know, Randy Johnson, Jeremy, uh, nobody really talks about this, but like. Uh, it, it's crazy that, like, you know, he's a guy who I don't want to say he should have been out of the league because that's ridiculous. But, like, uh, his first couple of years, his walk numbers were ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, 1990, 120 walks in 219 innings, 152 walks in 1991, 144 in ni- or 93 or uh, 92, rather. Um, yeah, so, I mean, he led the league in walks three straight years, and he had a lot of walks. Like, though, that, that's 152 walks in 201 innings. That's a ton. That's a ton of walks. Yeah, when um, Cliff Lee walked, like, what, 11 guys in, like, you know, 2005 or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, yeah, 144 walks in 210 innings. I mean, you're you're encroaching. I mean, if you're walking 150 guys in 201 innings, like, that's that's not almost one walk an inning, but, like, you're, you know, you're getting into that territory there. Uh, so that's, that's crazy. So I think, like, Randy Johnson – um, it was just one of the cool, like, uh, success stories in baseball. You know, he didn't, uh, he, he had an amazing career and he's probably one of the best, uh, best left-handed, uh, pitchers of all time. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that his first five years in the league, he just, he was, he was not really a very good pitcher. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, no, that's one of those things that, uh, I'm sure Scooter Jeanette is a strong believer in this, but like, you know, <laughs> you got to stick with guys. You got to give them a chance to work it out. You know, like Greg, Ma- Greg Maddox was really bad for the Cubs, I think for a couple of years sure. uh, early on. Um, 
and uh, we all know what happened with him. And so, like, yeah, it is kind of crazy to think about these guys given getting like you know four years to work it out. Like, it's like it it, it doesn't happen anymore. No, and, uh, no, it yeah. yeah, it really it really does not. Um, well, cool, Jeremy. I think uh, that's gonna probably about do it for episode number eighty six. What do you think? Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up, Jack. All right, sounds good. Well, for Rain Delay Theater, I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And we'll see you next time. So long. Man.